Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. It's a very supportive community and I want people to come and experience it for themselves because it's really like no other place and you will never look at cannabis the same way again after coming and seeing these farms. This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Thank you for joining us again today on the Cannamom Show. We continue on our mission of crushing cannabis stigma. All right, Dave, I got to remember to get my daughter's vape pen and do that with you one day. So you can do like uh, synchronized <laughs> smoking. Yes, for the video listeners, I blow a single puff of smoke towards the camera. As we begin, it's become a tradition, I guess. It's good. It's a good way to get it into the mode. All right. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to give a shout out to an event being held right here in Cambridge, Massachusetts on Tuesday, March 19th. It's at a lovely restaurant so close to me I can walk there. It's called Urban Hearth, and they're doing it in collaboration with the Green Lady, a Massachusetts-based, women-owned, black-owned cannabis dispensary in Nantucket and Newton Center. Isn't that like a nice combination for me. Very cool. Yeah. So it is being advertised as a multi-course educational and inspirational evening hosted by the mother-daughter team, Nicole and Clea Campbell of The Green Lady, who, like us, are trying to change how people perceive cannabis and raise awareness about the different ways cannabis can help heal our bodies and our minds. Very cool. Will All you right. put that information in the show notes? Of course we I will, because if you want to know how to incorporate this into your 
I don't actually eat it. So this is actually something I've been talking about endlessly. And I've actually been a little nervous about going to an event because I'm like, then I got to drive home. So this I can walk to. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, right. I, I, I reached out to the women to see if there's any way I can add value to it because I just think these are the kind of things I keep talking about, engaging people in a really normal way. And this restaurant is lovely. It's right in the middle of my neighborhood and they're going to host a cannabis dinner. Very cool. Very cool. I was in Vermont over the weekend with a friend and I brought a six pack of, I think it's called Buzz. It's uh, cannabis soda. I brought okay. root, beer, root beer and orange <laughs> and everybody enjoyed it. Everybody enjoys cannabis. I know. <laughs> All right. So this is on Tuesday, March 19th, which is actually um, my mother who passed a few years ago. That was her birthday. So oh, I feel wow. like it's a sign. So I'm going to be there. And I uh, hope you will, too. If you're in the neighborhood, reach out. I think it's going to I think they're doing two seatings. This is such a popular event. They're doing two seatings. So Very cool. if you're curious and you want to join, come come join us. All right. And then let's see. Let's see. I'm going to do a quick culture corner, Dave, because today's guest has a exciting stuff to do after us. OK, let's go. <laughs> the culture corner. The culture corner. The culture corner. All right. So. Alexei Navalny, everyone's talking about him. It's not a good, he hasn't had, not good press for Russia. But I don't know if you've seen the HBO, the CNN HBO documentary Navalny and won some prizes and all that. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's one of the, it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And because it really follows him, Navalny, it really follow. it gives you an inside look of all his political maneuverings and everything. And it, just, it makes it all the more sad. As, and and as to how things ended for him, but not unexpected, right? Not unexpected. So I'd seen it before. I watched it again because I replayed it this weekend. I, I don't know. I I can't control anything. I do a podcast out of my daughter's bedroom. But there's a guy out there. He had hope and he created a space for that hope. Mm-hmm. And he was young. And if you don't have people like that, you just it's easy to fall into cynicism and hatred. And I mean, Tucker Carlson is out there saying it's okay to kill people. It's just part of your job. Like he's starting to believe that. That is a bad place to live, people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, it it is. It's like something out of a spy movie or something. They he thinks they're plotting against him. They try to poison him. That's that's detailed in the documentary. And so then, when you heard he died, it's like, yeah, he did not die of natural causes. So. Th- Someone standing up. I hope that people listening in the cannabis industry, people who are healed and understand this, that they would stand up too, because we need more people like this. So anyways, check it out. Maybe it'll give you a perspective on how your life is. And yeah, <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's one of those stories. It's a fascinating watch. He, he was an inspiring guy. Yeah. It, it was, he didn't, he doesn't, he didn't speak English in it, did it? Did he? he did. He did. All... Yeah. He's very funny. Oh, did he, speak he, he, calls, yeah. he calls himself a funny guy. No, uh, I, I think can, he did humor. Humor is oh, this thing sure. that people, people can hear. They can't hear. Like, people, politics bores people. I think all those really engaged people piss people off. Maybe I'm part of them. But, like, that engagement is overwhelms people sometimes. But he tried to engage with people with humor and connection. And just the idea that there's something else. It just if You have to see it to believe it. So he was something they could see. And now there's people out there. He created a whole next generation. Maybe something will get better. Let's hope so. Yeah, I would hate for him to die in vain. Because mm-hmm. it's just surreal when you watch the documentary you see this guy full of life he's charming he's a leader he um you know some of the moves he makes are just genius and the way he leads people and now he's gone it's it really sucks 
What if you did it right? <laughs> it's like it's like when I used to be like I was like president of the PT, all that stuff. If you create the club, isn't you? If you create an institution that's going to live on past you, so that is the hope and the dream. He has a daughter at Stanford. He's created. I kind of say this about women. Like until the Supreme Court said we were humans, my age, women my age, we got to go to college and go to law school and get abortions or whatever we wanted. And we create a whole nother generation of women who are just like us. So there's more of us out there. So if the Supreme Court decides to take away our rights, there's a lot of us now. And I think he's created a whole nother generation. So that right. is the dream. That's the hope. Um, Su- uh, super quick, Joyce. Did you see what John Oliver offered Clarence Thomas? No, what? John on his show, John Oliver is known for doing, he does, it's comedy, but it's political commentary. And he always pulls these stunts. And his latest stunt is he offered Clarence Thomas, if he steps down from the bench, a million dollars a year for the rest of his life and a fully loaded motor coach, which is what he loves. And he's well? serious. The, the offer is available for 30 days. And he says, we've looked into it and I can't believe it, but this is legal. So he's like, he's fed up with all of uh, Thomas's BS. So yeah, take that. Take that, Judge Thomas. Agree. Agree. If that's the (laughs) life you want to live, don't don't subject the rest of us to you. I I just don't need it. It's unnecessary. And there's a lot of women lawyers out there now who are running parts of that Supreme Court, which would have literally been unimaginable a generation ago. So there is progress and we have a voice and we exist still. So Clarence, take the motor home. Yeah, take it. Go off and do what you need to do and help Roberts get control back of the court. Bring us back to the middle. I'm all about the middle. I used to hate the middle, but now I'm like middle. Come back to the middle. We'll take the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. And then before I introduce today's guest, the hemp guitar, of course, it's going to be April 20th, the giveaway. You can play it. You can smoke it. It is confirmed. It's going to be displayed at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts for the month of April. And just to give you some stats on it, I finally got some information that people out there who like guitars should know. Mm-hmm. So it is a solid one-piece hemp wood body. It is a mahogany neck, rosewood fretboard, 22 nickel frets, mother pearl inlays, Goda hardware, Peter Frampton Seymour Duncan 40th anniversary pickups. Apparently that's cool. Hand-rubbed oil satin finish and a glass bowl piece. I love it. Guitar sounds are very comforting to me, even how uncool I am because I do love musical theater. But when I hear a guitar solo, I'm like, I'm the rock mom that I was born to be. <laughs> rock on. Rock on. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dave. And today's guest. All right. Talking about growing and creating unique Canada-friendly experiences, today's guest has so much to share. She is the owner of Soul Spirit, an award-winning cannabis farm in Northern California, the famed Emerald Triangle area and a retreat where you can spend a few days enjoying delicious farm-to-table meals, tour their regenerative cannabis and food gardens, and commune with nature while enjoying all the comforts of home in their luxurious accommodations. I met today's guest in Vegas at the Feminine Forward Talks, where she also shared her beautiful flowers they grow, and I invite her here today to share her unique and inspirational canna journey, tell us more about the amazing retreats she is offering this summer, and why she believes so deeply in this plant. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Judy Nelson. Welcome. Hi, Joyce. Thanks so much for having me. So normally I would say you're here. You are from Northern California. That's normally where you'd be joining us from. But you're in the Big Apple. You're right in Manhattan because you're with your family. You're going to go see some shows. I, I talk about yes. music. I love it, too. And we definitely don't have that in the Emerald Triangle. <laughs> That's a big, yeah. You know, yeah. 
So yeah, so in California, kids get like the whole week for President's Week off. And so we took the opportunity to to come out to the big city and and do some things we can't do at home. That's so funny. All right. So I always say I can't grow anything but children. I'm just not that good at plants or although I did grow my own this year and I'm helping take care of my daughter's plants. So this is a big change for you. You're in the city, you're doing your stuff, but Let's talk about where you're really from. I know that you have some other stuff going on this summer. I want to talk about the retreats, but let's just start in the beginning. Like, how did you even become a cannabis farmer and set up this retreat? And is that have you always been connected to California? Is that where you're from? No, I'm actually from the suburbs of Chicago. All right. And yeah, so I grew up there in the suburbs and I am a physical therapist. So that's kind of my my career and day job outside of cannabis, although, of course, having your physical therapy practice in Humboldt County for 25 years, there's not a true separation there, for sure. There's a lot of cannabis infused into my physical therapy practice as well. But uh, when I first got out of physical therapy school, I became a traveling PT. And that fed in really well because I also was and am a big Grateful Dead fan. And so I would take these traveling jobs for like three months and then go on dead tour (laughs) and then go back and take another job when I needed to make some money or there wasn't a tour going on. And so through that traveling physical therapy job, I ended up in Humboldt County in... Oh, is that right? So was that yeah. right? When medical, when did the medical law go through in California? Yeah, it did. Prop 215 passed in 1996. Okay. So yeah, it was, it was coincidence that I ended up in Humboldt County in that same year. But yeah, a lot of things were changing at that time. Obviously, people had been growing cannabis there for decades already, like completely illegally. And then when 215 passed it, it definitely opened things up a little bit for. But actually, what really kept me in Humboldt was not so much the cannabis at first, but it was actually there was a lot of environmental activism going on at the time around the ancient redwoods. There were some logging companies that were clear cutting old growth redwoods, and there was a lot going on around that at the time. And so I got really involved in that movement. And while still working as a physical therapist, but I ended up, long story short, but through all of that, I ended up actually getting arrested for locking myself to a logging gate. Wow, uh, radical. Yeah, well, you got to do something. I was 20, whatever, and very passionate and fiery. And so, but I will say that jail really sucks. And after spending a little bit of time in the Humboldt County Jail after this arrest, I really was like, this is not productive for me. I don't feel that that was really an effective way to get change to happen. And so I ended up after I got out, my husband Walker and I were looking for rural land because we wanted to kind of get back to land and try so did your, to... did your husband travel with you as a PT? Do you meet him out there in Humboldt County? How did he... Well, actually, so he's from Southern California, from okay. the LA area. And we met, actually, so we never knew each other on Grateful Dead tour, but Gary Garcia happened to die. I had another one of these traveling jobs in LA 
when Jerry Garcia died. And so I went out. I didn't know a soul in LA at the time. I'd only been there like four days, I think, when this happened. And so there was a lot of memorial drum circles and whatever going on. And so I went out to one that night and that's where I actually met Walter. And so then after that, we we bought this old school bus and we oh my God. down into Mexico <laughs> with a bunch of our hippie friends for that winter. And and it was actually on that trip that we kind of like got together as a couple. And then when we came back, he did start traveling with me on okay. my physical therapy jobs. Yeah. That's a good that's a nice love story. All right. All right. So you're up in Humboldt County. You got arrested and then your husband and I decide maybe something better and you find a farm. Did you know how to farm? Like, were you a plant person? Like, what was your relationship with plants? Walter was a big plant person. So when I met him, he was caretaking his grandparents' property down in L.A. And, and his grandfather had been like a plant collector. He went all around the world and like oh, wow. collected all these different specimens. And Walter was basically taking care of all these various plants. And then and then. So, yeah. So then while we were traveling, he was mostly blowing glass pipes for a living and we would like travel around. He would blow glass while I was at work. And then when we would go on tour, festival circuit, whatever, he would sell his work and then continue doing that when we moved to Humboldt County. But many things happened, like Chinese imports and all sorts of things sort of like made that. And there was also a big federal bust in the area of glass blowers at the time. Operation Pipe Dreams. You can look it up, but basically, Lordy, Lordy. stop doing that. Doesn't that government have anything better to do? I'm like, lap blowers, people. You, you gotta wonder. It was definitely a strange right. time and still Humboldt is, County. All yeah. right. So, so you're up in Humboldt County, which I still haven't been to. You buy this farm with your husband. And then, so were you growing for medical patients? How, how did it first start? You can say that right yeah it was it was very loose and sort of everything was very gray at that time with 215 you could have each of us had our medical prescriptions um and then you could grow for others who had them so you just had to have kind of a portfolio of people's um prescriptions in order to like have plants for them and so that's what we were that's what we were doing and it was just a very different world at the time. All right. So your story is so huge. So we're just going to skip a lot of years. All right. So like kind of fast forward. So I met you at Feminine Forward Talks. I actually experienced your flower. I saw your packaging. I'm out here in Massachusetts in the legal market. Some of the things about, there's some really irritating things about the market, but one of them is packaging, but you guys are doing it differently and you're doing it the way I always imagined it probably should be done. But I don't know. Can you just talk about your process? Like maybe California is a whole different market. I get that. It's a whole different world out there. But just tell me about why you made decisions that you made and like how where you're selling your flower, that sort of thing. And then we can talk about the retreats. That, yep. Yeah. So again, we are environmental activists. Both of us are super passionate about that. And so when we decided to have a brand when 2018 happened and Prop 64 passed in California, we wanted to be able to kind of have some control over what happened to our flower out in the world. And so we decided to create a brand, Soul Spirit Farm brand. And 2018, there was like no good options. Honestly, it was like you had to use a plastic tube. There were no options. And that was just killing us. 
Mm-hmm. And so we were a, we were just seeking something better. And with the child safe regulations on the package, it made it even harder. Right. So we found originally, so in 2021, we did end up winning the Emerald Cup Eco-Conscious Packaging Award. And at that time, we were using these um, 78% recycled glass jars and some reclaimed ocean plastic lids and stuff like that. Now, this year, we've just released fully compostable packaging because unfortunately, like glass has issues, it's heavy. The world is actually running out of sand to make glass, which I didn't know until I was trying to find packaging. But the things you learn, right? And and so the compostable packaging to me is really the way to go because even if it doesn't get composted but ends up in a landfill, it's still going to break down into right. harmless ingredients way faster than anything else. And so that's just what we decided to do. And the cool thing, too, is that I think as more people demand it, and I love that certain states coming online now, like New York and I think Vermont, there's requirements for packaging to be a certain amount. Oh, are they actually probably get in there? Whatever. My dream was that this would... I mean, I haven't heard that, but I mean, one of the things I always thought when this industry started is that we would be the initiators of compostable hemp products that would be used to for our products that would then spread to the bigger market. But that is not what's happening. No, it's so disappointing. And it's like California should be the leader. It's crazy to me how hard they make it because really flour should not even have to be in child resistant packaging at all. Yeah. Child resistant regulations, they're actually designed to only protect kids that are five and under. And as I like to say, if there is a kid who can take a nug, figure out how to light it on fire and inhale it who is like five or under, there are serious other problems that are not involved with my packaging. All right. That is such an interesting argument. That's so funny. All right. I wasn't going to talk about this. That is an interesting perspective because I actually never thought about it. And I'm so unclear why they treat it like heroin. Plus, this is a medicine for people. So the idea that it is so complicated for me as a 58-year-old woman sometimes to figure out how to get that thing open. But And the truth is, if you eat a flower, what's going to happen to you? If you eat like a dry nug of flour, which probably tastes terrible anyways. Pretty much nothing. I think there's like a teeny tiny bit of active THC in dried flour, but it's like minuscule. It's mostly all un because you have to decarboxylate flour for it to get you high generally. Yeah. But so it, you know. Yeah. All right. When I go politicking saying people shouldn't have crazy packaging. All right. All right. So that's kind of one of those weird things. What's been a reward? What's something I know I hear a lot about California? You guys with us the medical first and then the grand vision that we're going to have this like great market and then it's got too many taxes and then there's like not enough testing and like the litany of horrors. But <laughs> what maybe is happening in California? I mean, I know the feminine forward talks things are starting there. What do you think maybe in this cannabis industry you didn't um, foresee that's happening out there that you think is good? For me personally, it's actually just being able to so openly talk about and advocate for what I want to see. We did not talk about this or what we were doing at all prior to 2018. That was not what you did. And so I think now I get the opportunity to remind people that the choices that they make around what cannabis they buy actually has a huge impact 
for the environment and all of our future for the world and also for your own health, right? And so whereas before, like, I never knew my own customer. Someone would come, they would buy pounds of bulk from us and drive away. I never knew what happened to it. And so the the branding, the packaging, and just being able to be on Instagram, talk to you, all of that, I think, is hugely positive that mm. has come with this new paradigm. There are there are many things I don't like about it, but I would just say openness and education are the most positive things. Oh, I love that. I think that's so great. All right. So that goes right into the retreat. So our mission here on the Cannabom Show is to crush the cannabis stigma. We talk about the plant. She is a caregiver. We are caregivers. This industry should be built in her image, taking care of moms, taking care of people. So you do retreats on this beautiful farm of yours. You call it glamping. So tell me about, I know there's a couple, but tell me about the Canon Mom Retreat. That seems the most better relevant. So Canon Mom Retreat in August. Tell, <laughs> me, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, going along with that education thing, before legalization, Walter, my husband, is really into permaculture, which is like a, a philosophy of land use and, and living, basically, that it just is about how to kind of set up your homestead, whatever size that might be, in a way that kind of like makes sense, is efficient, and is the most like in concert with nature. And then I also have this whole physical therapy and kind of like body healing work that I do. And so we always were kind of fantasizing like, God, it would be so amazing if we could set up a retreat center here on the farm and have people come. But of course, prior to 2018, that we would never have considered that, right? And so this is one of the other positives I would say of legalization is now that we can. And so as soon as that happened, we were like, we could do it right now. And we started with just like regular glamping. So people okay. can and can still like book it on Airbnb or on those kind of sites just for their own vacation. But then I also like to kind of have these more organized experiences. And so the Canamon Retreat was born out of being on Instagram, now getting to talk to all these people, getting to talk to people from all over the world mm -hmm. and recognizing how privileged I was to have my child in the place I did because literally he went to like a little hippie charter school in our little town mm -hmm. and there was maybe 30 families at this school and I would say 25 of them made their living growing cannabis, right? And so it was a very, just like it was normal. There mm -hmm. was no question. All of my mom friends smoked weed. We'd be at a big potluck with the, all the community families and like nobody is hiding that they're consuming cannabis from their kids. And so that was sort of my reality as a mom. And I never actually even knew what other people put up. Yeah. Um, I really, I had no idea that we're people, from Chicago, though. Like, I I had my kid later. I was 36 a, when I had him. So I'd already been living in the That's so funny. That is such like, a, yeah. that's, that's, so, that's, that's, that's such a good story. That's such, again, a, the good cannabis story. So I, when I talk about my own, I had a, an awakening. My kids were teenagers. I came back. I told them everything I know about pot is wrong. They were psyched. And now it's evolved to like, we have a full can of porch. And I talk about this all day, all long. And it's just normalized. But it took, I took a little extreme measure. But most kids 
don't grow up in this world. So you're totally, you're, you're one of those, like not only in your family, but in your entire community, you've broken the stigma. Right. And so really what I, what I am wanting for the moms who come to the Canada mom retreat is to just have that experience for themselves. Like this is what it feels like to be in a place surrounded by other moms who think this is completely normal and awesome. And you're in this place where nobody is going to judge you. Everybody there likes cannabis too. And we all then, and, and of course, like that's the main. So tell me, okay, so I know it's, it's in, it. it's in August, right? It's August but, uh, 8th to uh, the 11th, 8th right? 8th through the 11th. Yeah. So what, what is, what are they, what are you offering? What, what, is, what are the accommodate? Okay. So again, I'm not really a camper. So what are the accommodations like and what are the, the food that's going to be amazing, it sounds like? And then what other things are going on that weekend? You bet. So yeah. <laughs> we have these bell tents. So the bell tents are, they're like small little yurts and they're beautiful. So they each have, I can set them up either with a king bed or two oh. twins. So like if you want to come with a friend, they could be two twins. If you want it all to yourself, you can have the king. But they're super comfy. Real linens. Each tent has its own bathhouse. So you have a private bathroom. You don't have to share. It's hot running water. So yes, like it is outside. You are in a tent, but otherwise it's like pretty luxurious. I would. <laughs> the, the, irony, the, the irony of the camping is I did not grow up a camper. When I met my husband, he liked to camp. So I did kind of roughhouse it a little bit, but then he started not wanting to sleep on the ground. And our last camping yep. trip was me, the two kids, my husband and our dog who hurt her tail on a hike. And it was winding all night and it was raining. And I'm like, I've oh, yeah. never. And we couldn't go to a hotel because of the dog, right? And I'm like, I'm never doing this again. And my kids remember that as the best trip ever. That's <laughs> funny how that happens. Yeah. So I think yeah. I could handle that, though, if I was sleeping on a bed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No, I don't like to sleep on the ground anymore either. And I think, too, like glamping is kind of the best of camping because camping is a lot of work. Like you have to pack everything, set it all up. Bring all your dishes, bring all your food, deal with all of that stuff. And so this is just like, here's a way to get out in nature and sort of camp, but you don't have to do all the work. But it does actually sound like something mom. I can handle. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I know you could do it. And for the Canada moms too, like that's such a huge part of what I want to offer is like, you're going to be cooked and clean for, right? You don't have to do that. We all spend so much time doing that stuff for our families and you need a break. So. We're going to, we'll have the tents also for like a lower cost option. We are offering this year, like an opportunity if people want to bring their own tent and set it up, they can yeah. do that, right? Because we just want, we don't want the financial part to be a barrier. And how many, how many moms are you trying to encourage to do this? How big is your site? How many people can do this? So like the tents, again, if there's six of them. So if okay. we had two people in each one, that's 12. And then I would say like, there's room for maybe six more in their own tent. So it'll be less than 20 people. I just, I, again, ladies, if you're out there and this is you're like me, you're not quite a camper, but you do want to get away from your family for a few days so you don't have to take care of them. This is pretty interesting. All right. So what you said, if you're listening and you're interested, you said my um, listeners could get a little incentive for your August well, 8th yes, retreat. Yeah. Yep. So I created a coupon code for the Canna Mom Show listeners. They can get $50 off the price of the retreat. The early bird price will run through March 31st. So just make sure you sign up before then to get the best deal. 
But yes, it's Canamom Show is the code, the coupon code you can enter to get $50 off the, the Canamom Retreat and also regular glamping. And then I also do offer this Emerald Triangle Retreat. Yeah, I want, yeah. Tour. tell me about that. That sounds really interesting too. Yeah. So the Emerald Triangle is absolutely gorgeous. The nature is amazing. So that's so like Present. Northern, Northern California, kind of in the end of the world, but you guys way are there. Northern. Yeah. Yes. Way Northern California. So my firm is about 60 miles from the Oregon border, um, but Humboldt, Mendocino and Trinity counties make up the Emerald Triangle for those who don't know. And it's, uh, it's historically the most cannabis in the world comes out of this region. There's the most cannabis farms Outdoor. anywhere here. Outdoor, Outdoor yes, yeah. exactly. Well, I mean, there are people who grow indoors here, but generally... Everything's, in, everything, everything's indoor here. I think there's one farm in Massachusetts that's an outdoor grow. So it's a whole, again, Massachusetts. We don't grow stuff. So, But that is how it's grown here. I'm angling for interstate commerce choice because I want you to be able to source regenerative sun-grown flower in Massachusetts and New York and everywhere else. So That is my dream. All right. Um, so, okay. So the Emerald, yeah. so this beautiful area. And what do you do on this Emerald Triangle Reveal Tour? So the Emerald Triangle Reveal Tour, we start out at Soul Spirit Retreats. So we spend a couple of days out in our area, which is more like a dry mountainous area. And we obviously stay at my farm, do a farm tour there. We go on the river, which is like a big activity here. And actually a friend of mine who is part of one of our local tribes, the Yurok tribe, she does the the guided river float for us. And it's like an amazing, her insight into that river system is incredible. We do an fancy infused dinner across the river at my friend's farm, Emerald Queen Farm. And then we kind of go through Eureka, which is the county seat of Humboldt County, my farm is actually in Trinity County. We're right on the county line. So you get Trinity County at my farm. We go through Humble. There's some consumption lounges. And then this year we're adding either a nursery tour or like an extraction lab tour to the yeah. Eureka Day. We head down south and we stay at this amazing oceanfront hotel called the Inn of the Lost Coast. I mean, it's like wow. it's hanging over the ocean on a cliff. It's gorgeous. Um, we visit the old growth redwoods and then we do uh, two farm tours down in Southern Humboldt, right on the Mendocino County line is Five Sisters Farm. Um, and we'll do uh, like a catered dinner at her farm in the garden. And then Huckleberry Hill Farm, who is wow. like, very famous in the weed world for his cultivar, Rose and Johnny, they have this very famous cultivar bar called White Thorn Rose. And we do a visit and a brunch at that farm. And so. Wow. That sounds so. Are are you like, how are you getting like your van? How are you a bike? How are you getting there? Well, Matt from Humboldt Cannabis Tours, he is a tour operator. And he has a van and he does all the driving because, yeah, it's windy roads here. You don't want to be driving that yourself. And certainly you don't want to be driving that yourself after smoking all of the amazing weed that you're going to get to to. Try that. Here, okay, so. so what are the what are the dates on that? It's the end of August, right? That is August twenty second through the twenty sixth. All right. You and know, how many? And how many? And is that just is that just once a year? How often do you do this? We, once a year. If people, we also like to do like group retreats, so people are welcome to contact me too. Like, say they wanted to do that itinerary, but those dates aren't their dates, or they want to put together their own group of friends to do it together. I 
can plan all of that stuff too. So we're just trying to, I don't know, there's a certain documentary that some people might have seen. I'd like to say it's like the documentary that shall not be named that it portrays our area in a very negative light. And that is not my experience at all. Like to me, the culture of the Emerald Triangle, raising kids here, like it was an absolutely like beautiful, wonderful, sweet community. Like many of my friends who are single moms were able to stay home with their kids through growing cannabis. It's it's a very supportive community. And I just, I want people to come and experience it for themselves because it's really like no other place. And you will never look at cannabis the same way again after coming and seeing these farms. That is unbelievable. All right. That is really fun. All right. I think I might have to do this. All right. Oh my goodness. We're running up on time. All right. I'm canamumming. You have lots of canamum friends. Your parent, your family. Was your family, oh, like, do you have any, like, anybody in your family, like, concerned when you went into cannabis? Like, was this an issue from the yeah. Chicago people? What happened to you? <laughs> no, they don't love it. It was sort of like my mom for years and years would come and visit and we would sort of just like pretend that that wasn't there. Like she wouldn't mention it. We just wouldn't talk about it. They knew, of course, but it, it was just not discussed. Right. And that's sort of the, her good Midwestern Protestant kind of thing was like, oh, we're just going to talk about that thing. That makes me uncomfortable. But now she's great. She and my mom does not really consume cannabis, but like I've taken her on a dispensary tour when she came out to visit. When I just was there visiting her this summer, we went, I went to my first Illinois dispensary and oh, she nice. came along with me. She's offered to like take my little tour flyers around to the dispensaries in her town. So she, my mom's great. She's like not judgmental. Obviously, I'm sure they were concerned. Like, oh no, what's going to happen? Is she going to get arrested? What's going to go on? But, you know, no big it's, deal. It's all good. But you're like, okay, but you're canon mommy. So how, you have one child? How many children do you have? One child. He's 15. He's 15. All right. So this has been his whole life. I don't know. I don't even know. So you're just that generation. Like, what does he think of the plant? Does he have any idea that's like stigmatized in other places in the world? Like, what is his understanding of cannabis? He's not a super fan. That's funny. Think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's definitely seen both Walter and myself like kind of get overtaken by this business. Mm. The past like five, six years, we've just been grinding so hard to try to make this thing work that. I would say right now he has a fairly negative opinion of cannabis and and isn't interested in trying it himself. And that's fine. That is a prediction. That's so funny. So if you make it so it's your parents thing, the kids do not care about it, right? That's so right. funny. And But he knows about it. It's not like he's into it. Oh, he yeah. knows exactly what it is. He's making up his own mind because he's a child with agency and... He's deciding exactly. what it is. I have him do some computer tasks for me to to help with the business sometimes because he's good at that stuff. So you're like a Michael J. Fox. Oh, is that family ties? The like family, <laughs> the next generation going to be wearing like suits and bow ties. All right. We have a couple more minutes. So uh, we've gone over the, the I mean, uh, let's talk about your plants. I mean, just your flower because I did really enjoy it. So <laughs> how do you decide what to grow? Like, why is it a little bit different than stuff I've tried out here? When will we ever get interstate commerce? Because it's just ridiculous. Even because, again, if people are listening, you can have a brand in a, in a state, but it's a different flower because it's literally grown in a different place. It's not the same flower because you can't send it across state lines. So it's not really the same, even if it says it's the same name. But yeah, OK. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, too, a lot of places are only indoor. And since that is not 
something we will ever put in our packaging because indoor is not environmentally friendly. It just isn't. No matter how you do it, it's not going to be. And so we grow regeneratively. So regenerative farming, if all agriculture in the world was converted to regenerative techniques, we actually could reverse climate change, right? The Rodale Institute's done studies that that model this and show us that industrial farming is a huge, huge contributor to greenhouse gas emissions, right? So for us, since we are farmers, first and foremost, right, cannabis is agriculture. We are certified regenerative by the sun and earth certification and also dragonfly earth medicine. And what that means is that we just, we don't till. We use cover crop. We use compost. All of our nutrients last year was the first year that we were able to be 100% self-sufficient and create all of the things that we fed our plants from our farm. So we're just always trying to become like more and more and more not just sustainable, but actually regenerative, right? To give back, not just to maintain. And so part of that is why our flower is probably different than some of what you've had at home is because A, the sun, right? That's one thing about the Emerald Triangle. It has the like perfect climate for growing cannabis and you really can't reproduce that that easily. So there's just the sun right off the bat. We haven't tilled on our farm in more than 20 years. So we've just been building up the soil life, the microbes and stuff in the soil. And then that feeds the plants. So ultimately, when you're feeding a bunch of nutrients and fertilizers and stuff, it is going to affect the taste of the flap. Mm. And so by not doing that, by having all of our stuff be very, very natural and produced on site, what you really get is that terroir, to mm -hmm. use like a wine term, yeah. right? Like what you taste in our flower is an expression of our particular piece of land, right? And and then, of course, our methods of growing it. So it's because we're small, we can interact with every plant every day. So I do, is, 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 is cannabis doing that like the wine country? Are they actually, I don't even know how the wine country works that way, but is that something that's yeah. actually happening in the world where you are? Yeah, yeah, Appalachians, California, when they did Prop 64, they wrote into the law the development of cannabis Appalachians, right? Hmm. And the thing about that is that the process to actually register an apple an Appalachian and get it legally certified or protected um, is a huge, long process. And so um, there's pilot programs going on right now in the area. We've all been working together. I'm on the board of the Willow Creek Cannabis Alliance, which is our local our local alliance for all the farmers in my area. And we've tried to kind of map these things out and be like, who has the same climate? Who has the mm -hmm. same conditions? We're in a very varied area. So like figuring out how to define that is a challenge. But we keep saying we want to be the the Napa kind of for tourism and of, of cannabis. And that goes along with the tours, goes along with the glamping, and then also goes along with like hopefully one day creating this Willow Creek Appalachian for cannabis. It's like Italy. It's like when you go to Europe, like all these tours, that's exactly how it works. And this idea that you are doing something that's regenerative. I never hear that word, honestly. And I keep thinking about like if we just had hemp planted across the country, think of how much soil could be cleaned up. I, I just, again, I don't plant anything. I'm not a, but it just seems like something that's obvious. 
It really is. It's yeah. it's really frustrating to me sometimes, mm-hmm. like how slow these things move. Like that Rodale Institute study came out in 2011. All right. But you're doing it again. The women I talked to on the show who are building this industry are becoming the people they needed. They are showing us that there is a new way to do things. It doesn't have to be done the same way over and over again. The rules were made up. We can make up new rules. That's kind of how this works. And you're saying this is how this industry should look. No one had done it before you. So this is how it should look because it does look this way. You've done it. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness, Judy. All right. I know you got to get to your big day in the Big Apple. What are you seeing later? We're going to Sweeney Todd this afternoon, and then we're going to see Hades Town tonight. Oh, double back to back. My parents used to do that. Uh, the reason I know so much about musical theater is because for some reason we would go from Boston to New York all the time. No one could agree on music, so we'd have to listen to show tunes. And then my mother, they would get whatever, the, whatever. And we always saw shows. So it was like this thing. It was the music of my life. I know a lot of Jacques Brel. I know a lot of like. I'm so what? excited too because Ani DeFranco has joined the cast of Hades Town like two weeks ago, and she is one of my absolute favorite musical artists. So I'm super stoked about that. Oh, you're going to have a good time. You're going to love it. All right. So if people want to connect with you, if they want to go on one of the glamping trips, if they want to pick one for their own family, they just want to find out where to find you in California, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah. So the website for the retreats and the glamping is soulspiritretreats.com. And that's S-O-L like the sun, not S-O-U-L, which some people get confused about. But soulspiritretreats.com, our farm website is soulspiritfarm.com. And then both of those are our handles on Instagram as well. So I manage the Soul Spirit Retreats Instagram. So if you message that one, you'll be talking to me. If you message the farm one, you would be talking to my husband, Walter. Awesome, Walter. All right. So enjoy your day. Thank you again. And that's another show. So for my guest, Judy Nelson, of course, my Canterbury, David Jazz, and our Canamom Show team. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canamom Show. We're on a mission to enhance the impact women are having on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for listening and sharing these stories because together we are going to crush that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Canamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.